Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at... Longhorn Pod on Twitter, it's Facebook and Instagram. It's the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who is suspending his love for all things rice for just one week. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh yeah, it's gonna be tough to abstain uh from from my diet uh of basically Meat, rice, and uh, and sauce. Um, no, I I, I I eat like a prince. But this this does conclude our our preseason, as I've been calling it, the or non conference uh, season, the the jambalaya season of uh, Louisiana pig rice. Um, so you know, while it made for an interesting dish, let's see if we can get out of here two and one and feel uh, feel okay about it. Um, you know, like after eating a big giant bowl of jambalaya you know feels okay you're never gonna feel great you won't feel bad but you know you're, you're satiated so let's see if this can uh this can lead us to to that the wild thing for me is that i feel like all of the best foods at least my favorite foods feature rice caribbean food mm-hmm, mm-hmm, rice mm-hmm. right any sort of middle eastern food pick pick any country and their wonderful yeah. cuisines rice african food rice tex-mex mexican food rice louisiana new orleans cuisine creole cuisine rice all the best foods Feature rice, pilaf, risotto, biryani, jambalaya, all of those fried rice. All those rices are great. <laughs> rice football is not very good. Let's just be honest here. Uh, it's not a great situation. So we're going to preview uh, the rice game on Saturday, and then we'll run you through some Big 12 updates if you haven't been paying attention where things are looking, and then we'll close the show out with some Godzilla Tron. Oh, and two, Kyle. All I could say, rice. Um, after, and this is going to be triggering for some people, after going up on uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks heading into the fourth quarter, uh, Arkansas poured it on a little bit late, ended up beating Rice 38-17. Then Rice came back and played crosstown rival Houston and got absolutely run out of the gym. Technically, it was the field, but I went with the gym because that's the more commonly used colloquialism. So, Rice crossed the 40-yard line just three times and managed to score a whopping zero points. Their average starting field position was the 24-yard line compared to Houston's at the 37. There's just, it was not a great outing for them. Like, not a great outing for them. And that's kind of been the theme for the year. Even though they were up on Arkansas, that was a really not good game from either team. Yeah, and you've heard my theory that Arkansas was rope-a-doping us. Uh, it's the only thing I can help explain. I mean, if you watched any, and I watched just enough to, to you know, feel prepared, uh, any of the, the one of the best-named rivalries in sports, the battle for the Bayou Bucket um, in Houston, really uh, the battle for the hearts of Westview, uh, U of H just, just, just absolutely just trounced uh, Rice as, as a as often is the case and as you know a semi-decent um 
power five or or group of five even team should should do right um again it makes that arkansas game one even more inexplicable six games in we'll have a better read on on where arkansas actually is not playing texas not playing rice but uh (laughs) um yeah i think there's some interesting things to this rice team i think they have a lot back on defense which makes it cohesive they have um a couple interesting names on the roster they have uh, a coach who you know has been around but at the nfl level um been on some good uh, was offensive coordinator on on some good stanford teams um so it, it, it's interesting he's been there a few years after taking over for uh a guy who i respect immensely coach david bailiff uh he, he's he's it's his team now he's got his guys his system so this should be whatever the best version of rice is again coach bailiff got them to a couple bowl games but uh you know this should be it so let's see i think it's going to be tough they're going to they're going to look to run the ball um they're going to be an interesting team i'll say that but again the talent deficit is 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 off the charts this should not be one that there's any sweat pouring at any point during this game here's hoping right and we said it on we said it on Tuesday. We said it honestly heading into the season. But Texas coming out of this first three games two and one would be good. Coming out one and two would be a disaster. And the one that we always assumed was the Rice game, whether it was one and two or two and one. The assumed one was always Rice. And so let's let's start by talking about the offense. So they're averaging just twelve points per game over all in their two games. So again, 17 and seven is 24. And then you divide that by two and you get 12, which I wanted to get the points for drive numbers, but they're not updated yet. So we'll do, we'll deal with it as we will. But that number would be very, very low. 260 yards per game, 103 coming on the ground, 156 coming through the air. They're going to run the football though. They on the year have a 75 to 54 run to pass ratio leaning heavily on running back Kalen Griffin, who's used about 30% of their offensive plays uh, in the loss to Houston. Um, It's, it's just not, not a great look for Rice offensively. I mean, Christ, uh, Christian McCaffrey, brother, Ed McCaffrey's son, who transferred, I think he's on his third school now, uh, is running quarterback and is gotten a lot of usage in the offense, but it really hasn't amounted to much thus far. Uh, like I said, I mean, Mike Bloomgren coached his brother, Christian McCaffrey, probably the number one pick in your fantasy league. Uh, he, he brought him to national prominence in that Stanford offense. He was the offensive coordinator of that unit. He was a four-star kid, number one player in the state of Colorado coming out of high school. Not a lot of four-stars you know, end up at Rice. So he's uh, a talented kid. Again, went to Nebraska, started a couple games as a true freshman, wasn't, you know, world beating, but showed some, some pop, uh, went to Louisville for uh, basically literally a cup of coffee, uh, like a week and then ended up at, at, at Rice. Um, it will be interesting how they use him. You know, they really haven't used him like a, uh, like a run first quarterback. Um, he took over after their, their starting quarterback threw three picks in the first game. And then he threw three <laughs> picks in the second game. Um, but it, he is the guy they released the depth chart and he's the guy, but the interesting Kalen Griffin, who you mentioned is about 30% usage was actually number two on the running back depth chart um, listed behind Jordan Myers, who on their website is listed as a tight end. Um, so I just imagine the mob is also controlling the, the depth chart release, uh, just, just messing with uh, people. Cause uh, although Jordan Myers is like a Jack of all trades, he's, he's caught touchdown passes. He's rushed uh, a lot, but he did have a touchdown catch out of the backfield as a tailback. Their only touchdown against Houston. But again, that the just interesting rice things, the tight end is listed as their number one running back over the guy who again, has got about 30% of all their touches. Um, so we'll see. I, I don't know that the names, 
so much matter except again i think luke mccaffrey luke mccaffrey which again when you put luke in front of it i can't not think luke cafferty from friday night lights so maybe i'm giving him too much shine (laughs) uh for that exact purpose but i mean he's probably the most dangerous player to know and to watch on that offense but they're gonna want to eye formation line it up and 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 pound it if it's anything close like it was in that first half against arkansas now when they started getting blown out um they had to go to more of a spread offense and and it really just went downhill from there so their ideal world is defense holds texas's offense and they can they can keep running their their eye formation and, and try to power it at that texas line yeah, this is this is a team much like we said a week ago uh, that if if you if they get their run game going, they're not as talented as Arkansas, but that's what they're going to try to do. And so um, hopefully PK has learned a little bit from the previous uh, the previous outing, the previous pantsing, whatever you want to call it against Arkansas and um, makes whoever it is, probably Luke McCaffrey, try to beat you with his arm. And he's already proven that he can't do that. So uh, again, Texas probably wins this game going away by ta- on talent alone, but it's definitely something we want to see some schematic changes happen. We mentioned Luke McCaffrey, uh, Kalen Griffin. Great. He's, I think he's a guy who's really talented and I think could end up, um, you know, if you transfer somewhere, could end up playing for a year at a bigger school. He was actually named named the backup this week behind uh, Jordan Myers, who who scored a goal line touchdown in this last game. It's it's a weird situation because he was listed as a, a tight end, right? It just seems really messy at this point, Kyle. Like I think Rice is still trying to figure. Like yes, I, the coaches know they want to run the ball, but they don't know how the heck they're going to get it done, and so they're tinkering before they get to conference play. And this is a heck of a tune up for them. Correct, and just trying to get the the right players, um, their best players, the ball on the field right whatever formation that is they're going to kind of keep the best guys it's like backyard football like we'll call a formation in a play but these are the guys who are going to be out there um and the guy who isn't there is august petrie who i think was a three-star wide receiver originally committed to texas state he had four catches uh 97 yards and a touchdown against arkansas missed u of h game they didn't specify why but also isn't on the two deep uh for texas i don't know if there's an injury there i couldn't really find any information on it but it doesn't look like he'll be playing so they may be without uh their best receiver as well um, because Myers is listed at um, running back, Jack Bradley starting at tight end, but I don't want to talk about him. I want to talk about his backup, Gerald. Not me. Do you <laughs> do, do you think Texas will play a better name all season than the backup tight end for Rice, Jaeger Bull? I mean, they just played Bumper Pool, but other than that, I don't think there's another name. I, that's I, that's I, I, I'm saying that Bumper Pool is great, but I think Jaeger Bull for a tight end is equally as good and i'm gonna go ahead and give it the edge as the name of the year so far jaeger bull again six street bar could sell that uh yep. any any farmer Probably do yeah <laughs> a farmer you know uh, out in sealy texas could 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 sell a breed of of that you know this is this is uh this is as texas as it gets i like a guy named named jaeger bull um but yeah that's it for the offense those are the names to know and kind of what to to see again rice will be multiple um because they're going to want to run and then they're going to have to pass so texas just needs to take advantage of that we'll talk a little bit about what we think texas defense will do um specifically and i think as we said this is a get right game this is more about um Texas shaking some things off, seeing that defensive line show some dominance, um, you know, getting around the ball. I think, again, in in multiple ways, this is always a good last uh, out-of-conference game, but uh, this is is more than ever a a get-right, show some nasty, wipe off off the stink kind of game for the Texas defense against that Rice offense. Yeah, this should be a get-right game for the Texas defense, especially a a team – 
that needs a little bit of get right before they and honestly texas's conference schedule is really front loaded and they don't get a break until after ou so they need a get right game before uh these next few fly in so on the defensive side of the ball to tech again texas needs a bit of an offensive get right game and they'll probably end up with an opportunity to do so and so the the right the rice defense giving up a whopping 41 points per game which again i hate the point per game average but the points per drive isn't updated yet at Wednesday at 8.34 p.m., so we're going to have to deal with it. Uh, 383 yards per game, 19.4 rushing, 188.5 passing. Another game that Texas probably should lean on the the legs of Bijan and try to get the, uh, the offensive line maybe in position to uh, gain some confidence, gain some composure, and gain some communication heading into, again, a, a tough start to the conference slate. This is a game you're going to see. We we know we talked about it. Casey Start. You'll see Hudson a lot. My hope is that you see Charles Wright. Like you see uh, the running backs down the depth chart. Let's see Jonathan Brooks. You know, let's see. Get, get the, the get right. Get the guys at the top line, the, the front line starters, I think is the term Sark used. Get those guys going, feeling good. Um, and get them out of there healthy and get the next guys in and, and let them do the same and then get the next guys in, right? I want to get to the threes uh, in this one. I would feel good. I want that offense humming. I want multiple receivers catching balls. I want the line to see what it feels like to, to manhandle people. Although, again, the the, the Rice defense is uh, – they're, they're aggressive and they return a lot. They're not, again, five stars, but they are – um, they're they're going to come at you. They're tough and they're an aggressive defense. So I think it'll be a, a, a good test. I think again, talent should should win out in that. But it will be a good chance for Texas to to scheme themselves right as well. And and again, get live reps where seeing the ball cross the the goal line and and uh, seeing run plays develop the way they should, seeing pass plays develop the way they should. Uh, you know, you you really want that. This this is a team that I think. Out of their nine, uh, they've given up more than nine touchdowns, but of the nine times they've been in the red zone, uh, eight touchdowns and one field goal, so not particularly good in the red area, um, not particularly great on third down. So, again, a lot to like here for a Texas offense that, um, you know, is licking wounds. And and I think really we said it on our, our Tuesday podcast that the defense wasn't great, but they really got worn down because the offense couldn't get on the field. It'll be nice to actually uh, run some plays. You know, it just felt like three and outs don't, don't get you real far into the playbook uh, against Arkansas. So so whoever it is lining up for Texas at whatever quarter it is, just execute. All game, execute. It's an opportunity, again, I keep saying, it's an opportunity to, to figure some things out and right your wrongs. And again, this is not going to be the level of talent that Texas is going to play for the rest of the year, but this is an opportunity to to get out there, have some live fire reps, and feel good about yourself going into Big 12 play because Big 12 play is a gauntlet. Regardless of what people from outside of the conference say, Big 12 play is going to run you, and so you've got to be able to feel good going in uh, and kind of get your body right. And I think one of the things that we really need to watch, two things we really need to watch, I think, Kyler, third downs and turnovers. Uh, Rice is not a particularly great third down team. Uh, offensively, they're they're at like 32%, I think 9 of 28 on the year, and they're giving up 11 of 24, so just under 50% there. And then they're um, number 123 nationally in turnover margin. They're uh, f- uh, four on the wrong side of that. They've got six 
total turnovers lost, all those interceptions they've gained two, one via fumble, and I believe one via interception. So like the, I think those are two things that, and again, things that the Texas defense needs to really shore up because turnovers are, are going to play a part in Big 12 play, right? Creating turnovers, creating negative plays, creating quick changes for an offense that sometimes needs a little bit of a boost or probably will need a little bit of a boost. Uh, creating those quick changes and, and getting your defense off the field quickly is going to be a big deal. And so Texas getting some practice and getting some of those, again, just getting it, seeing it, right? There's a there's there's this thing in sports where like there's a power to just seeing it happen. You complete your first pass, you make your first free throw, whatever it might be and then things start to click and so that's really what i want to see in this game yeah absolutely like i said execute be smart rice is also number nine ninety nine in the country with seven and a half uh penalties a game texas is uh, is 43rd with five and a half um they're 76th in penalty yardage texas 33rd so texas who's the smarter school now uh, but no i get uh texas needs to you know there's no reason they should be committing a bunch of penalties in this one be smart execute don't ever shoot yourself in the foot don't turn the ball over just you know play your game and you and you win but again it's it's execution um the the, the thing is look we're, we're not gonna sit here and take this opponent lightly and say you show up and your name's texas and you win you still have to play the game right but um you you do want to see some things in this one. There will be things we are looking for. Who you know, if there's any other changes, if anyone else shows out in the offensive line to move up on on those depth charts, you know, who on the defense is going to step up. There's multiple things that we're looking for here. But again, there is a macro that we talked about immediately after Arkansas, and I think this will help kind of settle that with with one more week between that game where your season isn't over, the sky hasn't fallen, you can respond and react, and this is the first step of that i think you know there's a couple games getting incrementally harder basically after this and stepping uh, up in competition but this is step one to the rest of the year step one to the year's not over we can still win some games we can still do some things this is you know there's a lot of, of meat left on this bone absolutely and and there is a ton of and again this is a good way to catapult yourself into kind of that tough opening conference stretch with some momentum, you can, you know, you go and you do what you're supposed to do against Rice and win by 30, 40 points. You come out next week against Tech and you, maybe you can scrap, maybe that's a scrap, maybe it's a punch him in the mouth and just continue to, to beat on him. And so then you're looking at, you know, what, four and one heading into TCU, OU, Oklahoma State. And so that really will tell the rest of your season. Uh, so I, I, again, you can't overlook this game based on the significance of how it positions the rest of the season to shape out, because this could really catapult you into a really strong performance uh, heading into, again, you've got some really tough teams at the start of that conference scheduled. And again, not looking ahead, but just saying like the mentality, the mindset, the get rightness, I keep coming back to that of this game cannot be overstated. Yeah, and, and look, it, not only get right, but but get back, get into it. For some young guys, get it for the first time. You know, a couple guys we think might have big games. Uh, and this one, some young guys. Um, also, Casey Thompson, we know, is the starting quarterback. This is, he said in, in his media availability, this is his first start since November 2019. So, um, it Good chance for Casey, you know. Good for him. Um, I, I'm I'm excited to see it. The other thing um, that that you know I've loved so far, if there is a a singular thing out of two games, one awful and one great, uh, is the Texas red zone D. In ten trips, 
30% of them have ended in touchdowns. 40% of them have ended in field goals, which, you know, Sark and, and both members of this podcast agree should be considered a win when you're trading red zone, uh, red area, field goals for, for touchdowns if your offense can do them. But 30% of their trips to the red zone defensively have been straight up stops. So that's a good, healthy breakdown in ratio if they could keep that all season. Um, and, and again, they, they the reason Texas was in this game with their offense playing as poor as it was was the red zone defense in the first half that obviously broke down later but even you know with Arkansas running all over they 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 still held firm in that area could have been a lot lot worse if they didn't (laughs) uh didn't shore up so that's a good thing I'll I'll hope that those numbers stick this week and again just going forward will be a good thing to watch as we look forward let's pump the brakes on on the quarterback conversation the quarterback controversy just get behind the guy who's behind center yeah and just continue to support he's our again he's our quarterback for right now and so continue to um support whoever it is and uh we said the same thing three weeks ago when uh hudson card was named the starter the best thing in the world that can happen is the guy under center plays really really well and just puts a, the kibosh on all this conversation and so let's let's use that as a segue into who do you think is going to be and of your offensive player to watch your offensive mvp uh heading out of the rice game this one's tough because, again, in my ideal world, everyone's healthy. Everyone plays, you know, a quarter and a half, uh, uh, two quarters, and, and, and gets the heck out and lets, the, you know, your, your backups get some run. And, and we've said it before, Gerald. I think there's there's a couple stars on this team. I think Overshun has the chance to, to truly be that on the defense. I think uh, Bijan Robinson is, is, you know, undoubtedly that on the offense. I think we've seen game-breaking playmaking potential from a couple other guys. But th- there's a lot of you know right now and I don't mean this to be harsh but C plus to B plus kind of guys guys who are somewhere in there on their NCAA football ratings between you know 75 and 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 88 you know which is which is great um but we have a lot of those guys so this will be a good game if you're the second third fourth guy even if you're if you're Darian Dunn like you did in Louisiana game if you're a guy who's got people ahead of you you're gonna get some chances go get noticed go make plays um so it's kind of hard to pick a player because again in my ideal world we have 60 guys see the field 70 guys see the field in this game um but you know for that for that first unit i am really excited to watch uh demarvian overshun i think he he is really learning into that um linebacker position i also think you know he is going to have the overwhelming talent uh disparity here i I think he's going to be lined up against guys where he's the most talented guy staring at everyone across from him um and he had um, 21 tackles in his first two games of the season. That's the most tackles for a Longhorn uh, to open a season since Cedric Reed had 24 in 2013. So really, really, really great start for him. He's been the leading tackler in both games. Uh, I think he gets what PK's offense or excuse me, defense is and, and his responsibility and it is, and I think it fits him and I think he's going to keep getting better each game, like we said. So um, he's my guy who I'm really going to be watching with that first uh, defense. I really have a lot to say about the defensive line, but I don't want to steal any thunder because I don't know your answer. But uh, it's part of the fun. <laughs> but over, but Overshone is is uh, is certainly the the guy who I'll, I'll be seeing. You know, can he get enough tackles quickly before he gets off the field to lead it three weeks in a row? I like it. So I'm actually going in the opposite direction, Kyle. I'm going farther back into the defense. And the guy that I've been really impressed with over the last two weeks is B.J. Foster. Uh, he has seemingly 
taken the the opportunity at the fresh start and really made the most of it. And he was one of the uh, defensive standouts in, in a game that didn't feature a whole lot against Arkansas. And so I think that he's got an opportunity to make some plays. And I think he's got an opportunity uh, to really make a not make a name for himself because he's guys had a name for a minute. But I think he's a guy who will have an opportunity uh, to make some plays and to make some turnovers and to create some kind of momentum, highlight real plays. They'll talk about it on LHN for days after and it'll be a good time. So I, He's a guy that I think could have a really uh, strong outing for Texas uh, based on just what I think Rice uh, can't do. Uh, so so let's uh, let's just do it. Let's jump into our Podstradamus pick. So again, to keep you updated, Kyle and I both whiffed on both of ours last week uh, for good reason. Well, not good reason. Texas was terrible. So it still sits at two and one for Kyle on the year. So Kyle, give me your first Podstradamus prediction. All right. Um, so uh, the line on this one, I believe when I saw it was like 26 and a half, something like that. Um, yeah, I, I'm going higher than that, Gerald. The, the U of H won uh, by 34 last week. I, I, Gerald, I, I'm going higher than that. The last time Texas played Rice, it was 48 to 13. That's 35 points. I'm going higher than that. UT Whoa. will win this game by more than 35 points. Again, the the last time, the benchmark, <laughs> the last time they played Rice, uh, there was a, a a special teams touchdown, I believe, at the end on that one uh, to even to get that extra score to make it from 28 to 35, if I recall correctly. Um, so uh, I I think that is going to be uh, it's going to be 35 points or more, and this is. I mean, you got to take risks. It's a Rice game. You could play it vanilla, play it easy, <laughs> uh, but you know I, I'm throwing it out there. I appreciate that. I really, I do it. It, it one, it helps because I'm behind, uh, and I don't want to be in too big of a hole uh, as we enter conference play and things get way more unpredictable. So my first, I guess we'll start with the offensive ones. My first Podstradamus prediction is that Texas has two rushers go for more than a hundred yards. Nice. Nice. I like Texas that. Texas is going to ra- ground and pound, and two of them hit a hundo. I like that. Uh, Casey Thompson will get 100, and uh, Jonathan Brooks will get 100. That's right. Yeah. It could be uh, two two people running the ball for more. That could be Casey. Could be Bijan Roshan. Could be Keelan. Could, could be, be any of these guys. Any of them. But I think two of them are going to hit 100. Uh, I like All right. It. So what's your, what's your next Podstradamus prediction? All right. I think, um, again, I see this game flow in an ideal world where Texas gets up early, Rice can't run the ball as much as they want to. They got to throw the ball. It gets wacky and fun when they have to throw the ball. Uh, the receivers aren't elite. Their quarterback is is athletic, but not great. Um, their backup quarterback is not athletic and also not great. Um, so <laughs> they've th- given the ball away a couple times. I think the Texas defense will have no less than two takeaways in this one. I really honestly was going to set it at, at three, but I, you know, I'm going to give myself some, some leeway, no less than two takeaways for the Texas defense. So that was also going to be mine. So I'm going to have to pivot real fast, which is fine. (laughs) Great minds think alike. It's okay. So I am going to say that Texas returns at least one punt or kick for a score in this game. Ooh, Gerald, I like it. That's spicy. Um, I like that a lot. Sorry to force you to pivot, but I like that a lot. Um, I'm trying to remember back to the uh, Louisiana game. Did they have uh, takeaways in that one? I think they had one, right? They had one. So. In, 
I believe they had one in that one, one in uh, the obviously the Arkansas game, the BJ Foster play. So two would would be a great step up uh, for them. Um, man, how how mad would you be if one of the their two plus takeaways went back for six and they didn't get a, a punter kick return? I feel like you would. I'll give you a half point if that happens. Is that fair? No, Kyle. Let's. I'm putting my stake in the ground. I okay. honestly came. I honestly came with two defensive uh, Podstradamus predictions because that's part of this like going second thing. Is I've always got to be ready to pivot. And let's let's be real. Rice is probably going to throw three interceptions in this game because that's what Rice does. <laughs> so it's totally fine, and I don't blame you for grabbing it at all. But here we are. Texas takes on Rice on Saturday. And check it out, Longhorn Network. We'll be back following the game with our post-game live stream and it'll hit your podcast feeds on uh, really like Sunday morning most likely and then we'll be back on Tuesday recapping the game in full. All right, Gerald. So this week, let's do a quick whip around uh, of the the Big 12. I mean, let's appreciate it while we still have it. Um, so the uh, the Big 12 number one team, I think unanimously is, is OU. They struggled a bit the first week with a tough opponent in, in Tulane. They absolutely pistol whipped. Uh, Western Carolina, 76 to zero. Good for them. Uh, Iowa state who has been conventionally thought to be the second best team in the conference fell 27 to 17 to Iowa. Gerald, did that feel worse? I know we both watched this one. Did, did, did that feel as close as, as a 10 point game, uh, in that one? It felt a lot worse than that. Obviously when Purdy gets benched, right? You think that's, uh, probably not a good outing from them overall. It just, it felt like they were never in it. It was like a, almost like a, um, watching a nature documentary and like a boat, like a boa constrictor is just slowly crushing another team. That's what it felt like. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, it, it, Iowa State's defense is probably pretty good, and I think they look like you had two good defenses in this one and two bad offenses. I really think Iowa doesn't have a particularly good offense, and so that makes Iowa State's defense look even better. Um, but I think Iowa scored 27 points on like 170 yards. It was it was just a, an old-school, nasty, Midwest fullbacks with neck rolls, you know, diving into the end zone kind of game. And, you know, for the certain person, that is uh, absolute absolute just chef's kiss um all right so there's a section in this here where like the texas a&m fighting aggies big 12 teams looked kind of like steaming pile of dog defecation but somehow came away with a w again texas chose to look like a like a, a same pile of do and do but uh you know took it on they, they were they were respectable enough to take an l for it uh these are the guys who who, who escaped right tcu got a w 34 32 over cal basically cal carved that defense up all game uh there was like 12 missed two-point conversions throughout the game by both teams, and and the one that really hurt them was Cal was going for a two-point conversion, fumbled it, recovered it, but you can't advance a fumble uh, from the inch line. So uh, that was the final. That was the score. That was what basically gave TCU a real sloppy, real ugly uh, win against Cal. TCU offense looked okay, though, but uh, defense looked real bad. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, Oklahoma State for the second year um, struggled with Tulsa, needed a kick return touchdown and, and a little bit of late game. Uh, Spencer Sanders scrambling magic, they still should have lost that. Those are two games that I really think the better team on that day lost in, in, in Cal and, and Tulsa. 
Tulsa was weird last year because it was like the first COVID game and their quarterback got hurt. And so, but like, it feels like Gundy has a Tulsa problem, maybe. Like, I don't know what it is. Uh, Tulsa's on the come up, though. They've got some talented guys. They have some guys transferring in uh, from larger schools, more more prominent schools. And so I think the Big 12 is just not looking very strong this year yeah. outside of OU. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah. That gives Texas – that's why the, the chance to rebound is is great. Um, they also only won by a touchdown against Missouri State. I think Gundy has an offense problem, which is a weird thing <laughs> to say. Um, uh, also, Texas Tech, um, all shucks. A uh, couple, couple Big 12 quarterbacks just nice. looking, looking, uh, looking cheeks, as the kids say. Uh, they should have lost to Stephen F. Austin. Again, almost identical store to Oklahoma State and, and were not the better team and somehow – uh, eked that one out, but uh, then I put Kansas State in this group, but I feel a little bad for him. They eked one out against Southern Illinois, but Skylar Thompson went out. We talked in our preview that you know he's an underrated Big Twelve quarterback who's been there, six year senior, just injury problems. It, it, it's terrible because they go back to that worst version of themselves they were at the end of the year without him. So uh, that that is a season changing injury, depending on how long it is. It just is indefinite at this point. But that was a tough one. But nonetheless, Southern Illinois looked like they could have win that one. So a couple W's there. And then the final category, uh, Gerald, is is <laughs> blowouts over teams that I didn't really realize had football programs um <laughs> baylor 66 to 7 over texas southern gerald do you know when texas southern last won a football game 2001 <laughs> not quite I that bad they did win two in the 2018 season their last win was october 2018 uh over mississippi valley state uh which Ooh. again not a a team that I you think about a lot. Um, so it'd been a couple years. Baylor took advantage of that, but they were not the, the cupcakeiest opponents the Big 12 teams took on. Uh, Gerald West Virginia had a 66 to nothing win over Long Island. Are you familiar at all with this Long Island football program? No, I'm not. No one is. Uh, <laughs> no, literally, like college football diehards aren't. Um, this is their second. They, they had one season in 2019 uh, where they went winless um, and no one really thought about them COVID the next year. This is, I guess, their second real um, FCS season after combining two different Long Island campus athletic programs to come up with a, with a football team, basically. Um, the thing that they're most famous for is after that 2019 winless, the um, CJ Bethard's uh, brother was the quarterback, was actually like, Wow. stabbed after the season and killed um it was really sad like right after the season it was crazy that was about the only reason people had necessarily heard of them but um they are trying to get a program going there uh it's not it's a tough thing to start out with but uh but yeah so west virginia baylor really took advantage of some weak teams and then kansas i don't know what to put them in i really liked kansas is coming off a win first win in a long time they showed some some moxie some pluck against a coastal carolina team a top 20 team uh 49 to 22 I, I I'm happy for Kansas. It's hard to hate Kansas, and and, and I'm happy they 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 should a little fight. And Lance Leipold is a heck of a coach. I think Lance Leipold uh, is a guy who has an opportunity to. You're never going to make Kansas a, a winner perennially, you know. Man, I feel like Mangino is the exception that proves the rule, right? Sure. Uh, but he's definitely. I think he'll make Kansas into something more respectable and and uh, move on to greener pastures, which I'm excited about. Absolutely. So, Gerald, the, the main reason I wanted to talk about the Big 12 was this is one of the weirdest mascot weeks for a conference, a, a major conference, a, you know, still uh, Power 5 conference that I can remember, right? The normal, the normal ones are 
the Razorbacks, Hawkeyes, Golden Bears, and I guess Tigers for Texas Southern. Um, Chanticleer, I think we know that. That has become in vogue. But if six years ago, would you have known that Coastal Carolina was the Chanticleers? Um, no. Um, Golden Hurricane, I will put up there because, you know, you live in Oklahoma. We we love, you know, Tulsa is an interesting program for sure. Um, but I don't know if the casual football fan necessarily knows the Golden Hurricane. If you just say, what team is that, right? That's that's a little bit obscure. But those are the the most known ones, Gerald. Um, and again, Razorback, Hawkeye, those are the only of their type. Like Chanticleer, I think, might be the only ones. Golden Bear, all interesting names. Gerald, I'm going to ask you if you can match... <laughs> These four mascots to which one they are. And there is an easy one in here because, again, we're in Texas, but most people probably don't know it. Um, the Catamounts, the Salukis, the Lumberjacks, and the Sharks. Can you place any of those four with their respective teams that Big 12, that played a Big 12 team this week? I've got nothing. Lumberjacks. Okay. Oh, oh, gosh. I blanked on the Lumberjacks. Yeah. Uh, so SFA, right? All right. So SFA Texas, Texas Tech beat the Lumberjacks. All right. So you got yep. one in the tough so, category. Got it. I was when you said when you said easy one, my mind locked in on Texas Southern. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they're the Tigers, right? Sure. Like you. That yeah. Was, so I, was, I just blanked on Stephen of Austin. Um, Fair enough. All right. Sharks, but, Catamounts, Salukis. Um, Salukis of Southern Illinois. Yeah, yeah. They that is a famous one because they've been weird for a long time. They've been weird right. for a long time, and they 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 uh, NCAA tournament basketball is, yeah. is where most people get familiar with Southern Illinois. Salukis. I think they had a running back too who made it to the NFL a couple of years ago. I think Garrett so. Wolf yeah, from there or someone. Anyways, didn't mm, matter. It's fine. Um, so I got catamounts and I've got sharks. Catamounts and sharks. So um. You could go to the bank to and of, do process of elimination. But yeah, that's what I'm trying to do, but my brain doesn't work like that. So we've got to go. It's Western Carolina and Long Island. So I'm going to go with Western Carolina, Catamounts, Long Island Sharks. Four for four, Gerald. Utterly incredible. Incredible. So you don't always have to study for the test. Sometimes you could just be a good process of elimination Scantron wizard. Uh, that's right. The Long Island Sharks, the Stephen F. Austin Lumberjacks, the Western Carolina Catamounts, the Southern Illinois Salukis, the Tulsa Golden Hurricane, the uh, Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, Razorbacks, Hawkeyes, Golden Bears, and the Texas Southern Tigers were the opponents for the Big 12 this week. Absolutely, I was giggling when I like put that list together. Just, just a, just, just a, a wild bunch. You could convince me that as many as five of those were. Uh, if I were lived in another country, didn't follow follow college football, at least five of those were like NCAA video, video game, create a team, like not real teams. All right, Gerald. So let's go ahead and talk about some of the other things we watch. We go to our final segment of the week, Godzilla Tron. What have you been watching on your giant screen? Uh, so I've been rewatching the Matrix movies because the new Matrix movies coming out later this year, and so I just like those movies. They're the the second and third one aren't great, but they're fun. It reminds me of you know just dumb action movies. Uh, we just watched right before recording the the latest What If, and so uh, it's pretty solid. And then over the weekend, uh, my wife and I saw Shang Chi, the hmm. latest Marvel offering. We didn't get to see it opening weekend; just babysitter situations didn't work out. But I was really good. I had a good time. It felt like it was done with care and love. Obviously, the the cast and crew is is predominantly Asian, and so it was really cool to see. Uh, I'm a big fan of martial arts. Martial arts movie. There are some scenes that like, like reminded me of like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon 
Kane and things like that. So just a really, really fun watch. Uh, it's a Marvel movie. It's probably one of their better origin story movies. And so I'd print it up there, like the original Iron Man, that kind of stuff when it comes to origin stories, like probably right, like a tier below that. Had a good time with it. It was really fun. Uh, and it was nice to, it was actually, I think the first movie my wife and I have seen in the theater in a very long time. So it was uh, nice to get away from the kids and just watch a movie. Very, very nice. Uh, I only can imagine that NFL Twitter has taken to photoshopping that poster with Tom Brady and the Ten Rings because um, the guy unfortunately wins a ton. But um, I, uh, I have been doing a rewatch suggested by my wife, which I was surprised because originally I don't think she was interested, but she knew I liked it and she was giving it a shot and she stuck it out. We just finished the first season of Thirty Rock, um, okay. a, a show that I love, a show that I've watched all the way through once and I have watched multiple episodes probably four or five times but this is my first proper front to to end rewatch you know after I've seen the show all the way through so um, I love it there's some great season one episodes uh, in quotes and and moments that I forgot happened so early there was a point when this you know long drawn out joke is basically ends with you know Liz Lemon thinking she has to write Jack Donaghy's you know keynote speech for a gala because he is wearing a tuxedo and he has been heckling her and taking her away from her busy day to write the opening uh, monologue and she comes in frantically to uh to to tell him and he said yeah you know i don't know if that'll be topical and she said when is this thing and he says oh you know october or whatever and uh she's like what? why are you wearing a tuxedo <laughs> and he and he says it's after six lemon <laughs> what, what am i a cow i mean just like uh, the, the the jack donaghy like oh he's such a such a delicious morsel of a character. He's he's such a he plays that caricature uh, and parodies it so unbelievably well. But it's a great show, and it gets better um, from the first season as they build on these characters, and you learn uh, some depth to Grizz and Dot Com and Kenneth and these background uh, stories that make them more and more fun. So uh, I am excited. She's uh, she's sticking it out with me. She hasn't loved the first season as much. There's been some laughs and things. I told her, I was like, you ride it out. You get to know these characters, and it grows in its depth and repetition and off-the-wallness. Um, the Source Awards episode did slay her but um, with <laughs> ridiculous, but uh, LL Cool J. But, yeah, it, it uh, it's great. I'm excited. This is, this is just a pure thrill for me to be rewatching. The amount of space in my brain that Tracy Jordan – from season one of that show takes up is absolutely ridiculous. The number of times <laughs> that I want to say Grizz is in the Navy that <laughs> don't apply to the situation, just to just to throw something random out there, um, it's it's incredible. It's a great show. The 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 uh, topical humor is a little dated because it is what like ten years old sure. now, but it's still still totally fun. I love it, and it's a good time. That's all we've got for you this week, Kyle. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. We will be back Saturday evening after the game for our live stream. You can catch it on Facebook. You can also uh, catch it on the podcast feed later that evening, probably Sunday morning. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We'll see you on Saturday. And until then, hook them. Hook them. Rice pudding. Bip and bop. Kitchery. Arancini. <laughs> <laughs>